Let's turn to John 7. This is where we are in our series, The Red Letters of John. We are picking up, actually, with the the verse verse 19, where we left off last week. Um, We're going to talk about the law, the law of God today. And it, it may not be what you expect. So let's, let's pick up right there, though, with Jesus' teaching here. John 7, verses 19 through 24. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you looking for an opportunity to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus answered them, I performed one work and all of you marvel. Because of this, Moses gave you circumcision. It is, of course, not from Moses, but from the patriarchs. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath in order that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man whole on the Sabbath? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, I pray now that you would enable us to enter into the flow of the divine, to experience your love, especially no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even. I pray that we would experience our true selves in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Can y'all hear me okay? We, we good? All right, great. In post-World War II Japan, the Japanese understood that these men coming back from the violence of war were a shell of themselves. They were not prepared to re-enter society. Their sole identity had been being a loyal soldier to their country. So some Japanese communities, and this is something really interesting, some Japanese communities created a ritual where the soldier was brought before the people and, and publicly thanked and, and praised effusively for his service to the country. And, and then an elder in the community would stand up and would say something like this, the war is now over. The community needs you to let go of what has served you and served us so well up to now. The community needs you to return as a man, a citizen, and something now beyond a soldier. Richard Rohr, in his book, Falling Upward, talks about this in terms, and he, he calls the law of God, really, and this is where we're talking, now we're moving into what is the law of God. It is that loyal soldier that we're meant actually to discharge, to relieve him of his duties, because something better has come. That is the law. That's the law of God. It is that loyal soldier within each of us that we're meant to discharge so that we might move beyond, that we might transcend the law, actually, 
and begin organizing our lives around love. Not law, but love. So here's the main teaching today. When I say this is the main teaching, like this is the thing I hope you leave with. More than anything, I'm trying to put it all into a sentence. Okay, so here it is. In Christ, we discharge our loyal soldier and we center our life now around love. This is the teaching of the Bible, actually. In Christ, we discharge our loyal soldier. We no longer center around the law. We now center our life around love. So uh, first thing I want to talk about, do you know what a goad is? This is uh, an image, an illustration or a metaphor in the Bible. It's a prod. Yeah, anybody grew up around farm animals? I I did not. I'm a, a city slicker through and through. But I'm told that a farmer would would take a, like a, a, this instrument, a goad or a prod, and would poke the animal in order, it would irritate the animal to get it to move further, to get it to like go, go beyond, not stay stationary, but move deeper, if you will, move beyond, compel it to do what it's actually made to do. So in Acts 26, 14, Jesus Christ And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, retelling the story. It's the third time it's retold in Acts. His encounter with the one he was persecuting turns out to be God. And this is what Christ says to Paul. Why are you kicking against the goads? So now we're starting to understand the the purpose of the law. It's meant to irritate us. Not so that we stay stationary with it, but so that we might move beyond it. And Christ is saying to Paul, you're kicking against the goad. Let, let the goad actually propel you forward. So the law is that goad. That's the purpose of the law. It, it moves us further. Here's how it irritates us. It irritates us when we realize we can't keep it. So here's the first warning. If you think that you're keeping the law of God, you're already way off course. Jesus here in this passage is looking at the the law experts, those who have dedicated their life to following the law of God, and he looks at them and says, none of you keep it. That's not even the purpose of the law. We're meant to use it as a goad. It's meant to irritate us and actually drive us to something better because it's not satisfying. we, We can't keep it. It irritates us in our inability to keep it. So you're not, you're not meant, therefore, to stay stationary with the law, to like build your life security around the law as you are. You're, you're not meant to be static. You're meant to move forward. That's the whole purpose of the law. It's not an end in and of itself. It's meant to propel you to something better. So the law is good. And, you know, I, I want you to hear me say that because I, I think sometimes myself in my own sin, I, I can become like rebellious to it. And I want to I set the record straight. The law is good. We're not meant to be rebels, but neither are we meant to center our life around it. It's good and necessary, but if we treat it as ultimate, it, here's what will happen. We will not actually hear the voice of Christ. Do you know the voice we will hear? The voice of shame. 
if we center our life, again, if, if, you, if you think you're, being, you're, you're living perfectly and that life is going perfectly well as you keep the law of God, you're already so delusional. It's going to take a mighty big goad now to come into your life to tear you down back to reality. Because those who, who are honest and authentic, who sincerely are trying to, to follow the law of God as ultimate, well, life becomes about pass-fail, Life becomes about win-lose, and that is a recipe for guilt and shame, and that, friends, is the voice that you will be living according to, not the voice of love in Christ Jesus. So let's take a closer look at ourselves, perhaps, and, and understand what the law of God is actually for. Now, if, if you're a, um, a churchgoer, have been a churchgoer for many, many years, th- this, this could be your temptation. The, the devil, so to speak, doesn't show up with a red cape and horns. No, no, the devil shows up saying, yeah, you're doing a good job. Keep following that law. You're, you're practically perfect. You don't do anything wrong like those people over there. This will be the temptation of the religious person. I, I've... Um, been around so many people, stalwarts of, of Christianity, let's say, and, and a warning flag appears whenever, as they are, I'm kind of asking their story, you know, I want to just get to know them. I want to, and, you know, hopefully I, I have zero judgment because I know myself. I just want to know all the parts of your story so that I might be able to connect with you. And I've, I've sat with so many people who've been in church their whole lives, and when it gets to the point where they begin to hint about a perceived failure in their past, they will try to hide it. They can't go there. They won't talk about that. And, and whether or not it's actually a failure is up for debate, but they perceive it as a failure. The shame enters in, and they will not take you. They, they don't want to talk about that. This is actually a sign that you're following the law and not the love of God. That's actually, if you are greatly shocked and offended by the profane, it's actually a sign that you don't know yourself. It's a sign that you're following the law of God. And it could be the, the, the profane in someone else or your own story. And when you get up to that place where there's a failure in your past, if you're unwilling to really look at that, much less talk about it, it's, it's a sign, once again, that you're not listening to the voice of Christ. You're following the law rather than the love of God. The law is meant to be a goad. You're not meant to think that you can keep it. <laughs> you see? Okay, point number two. We need a mighty goad to show up. And guess who that goad is? It's Jesus. In this passage, (laughs) Jesus is the goad made flesh, and he is prodding these religious people. Do you see this? We see this in Jesus throughout his ministry. It's actually in love. He's prodding these people. He's trying to irritate them. And so he tells them, you think you follow the law of God, and yet none of you keep the law. What's his proof? Well, he recalls a healing on the Sabbath where he made a man whole. And this has created a controversy 
because he asked, he told this man to get up and walk. And so he tells them, so let me get this straight. It's okay to, to circumcise a man on the Sabbath, a part of the body, but if I heal the whole body and make the whole person whole, you want to kill me. And so he's, he's, he's this goad now. He's, he's, he's the one who's fulfilled the law. He's, he's the goad made flesh, and now he's prodding us. He may, maybe he's prodding some of us here. This is, this is how you know that, again, that you've missed the whole point. It's when the principles become more important than the people. He's telling these folks, look, you, you will circumcise a man so that you don't break the law of God. Yet I heal the, the brokenness of this, this, this whole entire man, and you want to kill me for it. At that point, you're way off. The principle has certainly become way more important than this person who's been healed. And so if, if y'all been under my teaching for a while, you, you've heard me say this a lot. If the principles become more important than the people, you have totally missed the whole point of Christianity. So Jesus is that goad. He's, he's come to, to lovingly irritate us, to show us, hey, guys, you, your first sin is thinking you can live life perfectly. You were never meant to be perfect. The goal was never to be perfect. The goal was always to receive God's promise. That was always the goal. It's not something you achieve. It's something you simply receive. And somebody who has fallen on their face knows this. They know this reality. And this is why Jesus, those were his favorite people, because they, they got the kingdom better. It was never about being perfect. It was always about the gift of God's promise. It's not something you achieve. It's something you simply receive. So, one other illustration about the law. You may have heard me talk about this before, this illustration. If you go to the doctor, if you think you have a broken bone, you'll, you'll have an x-ray machine. will will show the broken bone, right? It'll show what's wrong. But there's no power in the x-ray machine to heal you, right? You need something else, something better to do that. Well, again, this is the law of God. It is the x-ray machine. It shows you you're not okay. You're not perfect. And, but guess what? It's okay to not be okay because someone better has come to love you. So the law of this x-ray machine shows the broken bone. But, but lastly, we need Christ to come and heal us. Jesus was always showing us that in the kingdom, is, I like to refer to it as a, as a party like this, you know, it sort of looks like this, this is perfect. Um, I don't know about y'all, but House of Mercy is feeling more and more right <laughs> to me, at least I hope it is to you, um, as we try to follow Jesus. And the kingdom is a party, and Jesus was always showing us through parables or through real life in real time that you don't get to the party by being perfect. The only way you get to the party is by receiving an invitation, it's the only way. It, it goes out to everybody. And, and people who are living according to performance, though, and achievement, they hate that. <laughs> they hate the fact that the invitation is for everyone. For all people. 
And so here's the, maybe the most famous parable where Jesus is showing this, and, and it's the parable of what, might be, what you might know as the prodigal son story in, in Luke 15. And you, you probably all know this story, whether you've been in the church much or not. This two, two sons, one goes off and, and, and makes a failure of himself, catastrophically. He falls, becomes a failure, right? And he, he comes home, and the father, who's, who's very clearly meant to be God, what does the father do in the story? Throws a party. Simply because he showed up. And then you got this other son that was doing life well, he thought. Was sort of doing it perfectly even. Following the law of God. And he is angry at this. And then the text says, he was angry and refused to go in. That is to the party, the celebration. He refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him come in. And the father tells his son this, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. But as long as you see life as about performance, pass, fail, Well, unfortunately, like this elder brother, you will refuse to show up to the party precisely because it includes losers like us. So, lastly, let's talk about being made whole. What does it look like? What does holiness actually look like? And and you could use holiness synonymously, I think, with wholeness. What does that look like? Well, Richard Rohr says, that what healing and transformation looks like is this. It looks like being able to hold the contents of your real life. Think of holiness this way. It's just being able to hold the tension, the good and the bad, all of it. You're no longer hiding anything. You don't need to. Something better has come. The promise has come that you have received And so holiness, being whole, looks like holding the tension. Richard Rohr says, psychological wholeness and spiritual holiness never exclude the problem from the solution. If it is wholeness, then it is always paradoxical and holds both the dark and the light sides of things. Wholeness and holiness will always stretch us beyond our small comfort zone. And friends, that is good. So, so your sin and your suffering operate the same. It's actually calling you deeper. It's, it, you're meant to be, we're meant to be um, uncomfortable. And, and if we're centering our life around the perceived security of the law, well, this is what will happen. Something bad will happen in your life something really major, whether it be, again, a failure or a sin or something that happens to you, some sort of suffering operates the same. You will fall, and you will realize deep down that loyal soldier is just not cutting it. That living, you know, trying to put on the perfect Christian face (laughs) when you are suffering intensely, it's just not working. 
right then and there, you're being called deeper. Don't, don't try to go around that. It, let it do its thing. Let it do its work. This is what James means, actually. When trial comes, just, just stay. If you think, I'm supposed to put on a perfect Christian face, well, the rest of us see that it's inauthentic. When it gets intense, we, the rest of us know. So it's actually a calling for you to do something, to go deeper to something better. And the good news is there is something deeper. There is something better than living according to trying to be perfect or the law. It's called the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's not about being perfect. It's about receiving God's promise. It's not something you achieve. It's something you simply receive. And friends, it is yours right now. That is the love of God, the salvation of God. It's here, it's yours to receive. So let's receive that. Amen, let's pray. Father, forgive us for always going back to that, that old man, as, as the Bible puts it, the old, the, the flesh. Forgive us for the security blanket, we think sometimes, of, of the law. Would you break us out of that delusion? Would you enable us to see that, that life is filled with with contradictions and adventures and immense challenges, and we're not we're meant to hold that tension, not look beyond it. But, but you're going to have to give us the power to do that. But more than anything, I just pray that you would give us the power to receive your love and your salvation, which is free and unconditional and for all. Amen.